Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. And we come to you not live from our separate homes again. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird not being able to see Hayden and his like body cues of just like, oh, he looks like he's going to talk. Oh, he looks like he's not going to talk. <laughs> he's laughing it at this. It is so you know? weird. <laughs> yeah. We have to try our best not to talk over each other. And because of the delay between Skype, it makes it even worse because I'll start to say something and then Kamila will start to say something, but neither of us will get it until like a second after we say it. And it's oh, like, no. uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> interesting indeed. But, you know, you're a part of the adventure with us. So that's awesome. And we are going to continue to bring you awesome top tier content as top tier as we can get it. Right. So we'll try our best for you guys. We're all going through it. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody's sheltering in place. We're missing going outside and going to stores. But guess what? We have an interview with K Collective who has opened a physical store. And they opened up their store quite a while before this. So don't think that they're like opening this while all of this is going on. (laughs) They are well established. Yeah, it's just a coincidence that we're talking about a physical store right now. (laughs) But it's something to definitely put on your list and or even visit them online um, if you can. Post quarantine goals. Yes. Opening an online brand is a pretty accessible route to take when wanting to create a J fashion store. But opening a physical shop is a beast all its own. It adds a lot more factors into the process, and not all of them are talked about a whole lot unless someone has a history in retail, like management. And lots of those factors are things that just cannot be planned for. We wanted to talk to those who have been able to take the plunge and stay afloat in the mammoth task of creating a physical J Fashion store. And the owners of Cake Collective were happy to oblige and told us all they know and how their experiences have been with becoming a J Fashion community safe haven. But before we get into that, we are going to do our monthly news and life updates. Sheltering in place while trying to do J Fashion and trying to keep up community contact is definitely interesting. Yeah, it's... It's a task. Definitely. Because it's like, there's social media anxiety that you have to battle. Because if you're used to being a lurker, and you're just like, oh, I'll just see people in person or something. And now you don't have that option. So you got to like, think of like new ways to socialize, put yourself out there. And in order to combat that, our little J Fashion squad decided it would be a good idea to host a virtual Kawad plus J Fashion meetup. We decided to invite some of our friends and just have a nice chill hangout. Yeah, it was really cool. We made a theme of like fantasy. So basically like a fantasy outfit that goes with your style. So I did Princess Ahoy and I feel like that kind of is an outlet for me to wear more Lolita. You did OG for it that day, right? Yeah, yeah. OG with a pirate hat. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to be my elven magical boy. So it's basically just my typical wardrobe, but OTT with elf ears. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I like to see everyone's cohorts. I Oh my god. Our friend Aaliyah straight up just like wore a bunny hood. And it was so good. And like they come on and it's just like, (laughs) we just see giant ears going out of frame. We're like, oh, yeah, what are you wearing? (laughs) It was just like straight up white rabbit moment. Yes, exactly. And we were just earlier in April. So it was kind of like Eastery sort of theme. It was perfect. I was expecting you to wear like a vampire prince outfit for some reason. I just thought like, oh, Hayden's gonna go dark. I was tempted to, but the morning of, I was like, 
like it's there's no reason for me to make coordinates in advance and have them like ready to go unless it's for a multi-day event because inevitably I'm just gonna want to switch it up like there's going to be a day where it's like I pick out an outfit the day before and I'm like yes I love this this looks so good and then I wake up the next morning and I'm like nah I don't want to do that I want to do the exact opposite so I just let the let the mood flow. I just decided to, you know, let it just go with the flow. Pick out whatever I'm feeling. No, no rush. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's an awesome sort of like way to take it, like take the pressure out of choosing an outfit, even like taking it outside of virtual. No, Kamila, it makes it so hard because I never know what I'm going to wear. <laughs> But I mean, that's probably how other people live, right? They just decide on the day. I don't want to live like other people. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we wear J-fashion. Exactly. (laughs) I thought it was really fun. Um, We played a few games together. Cards Against Humanity, which I did not know had a computer sort of (laughs) version of it. Then we ate lunch together and we worked on some projects and just chatted. Afterwards, we played some Jackbox games, which was fun. I was like the last host to leave just because I was like, Jesse left and then Kamila left and then Bunny left. And like by the time it got down to one person, I was like, huh, well, someone has to stay, so I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it wasn't like a bad, it wasn't like a bad thing. It was just like, It was the type of thing where the hosts left when they needed to, and that's okay. I personally still had some energy, so I was like, okay, I'll do it. That's okay. (laughs) I actually got some work done on a craft project while the call was going on. Like, it was kind of nice just hearing everybody chat and talk about different things while I was drawing. I was drawing, like, a draft for a comic project I'm working on with Monique, one of our previous guests. Yeah, I was just like, wow, this came out really good. So yeah, I was proud of like the work that I got done. I I like working in like group atmospheres. I kind of like want to do that more. Like for my birthday party, I did a whole craft while we party sort of deal. It's just nice having the company and also like getting something done. Yeah, and I like to be able to have both auditory and visual stimulus when I'm working on something. So if I'm working on a craft or a piece of art, I have to listen to something while I'm doing it. So it was really nice to be able to draw and get feedback in real time while also being able to chat with people. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. I think I'm like the same way. I have to have a podcast going, music going. I try not to have like a TV sort of thing because then that like conflicts to visuals. Yeah, just definitely having something in the background I like. So besides the meetup, we wanted to do a general check-in with ourselves and with you guys. So if you guys want to leave how you're doing in the comments, please let us know. How are you? Are you okay? Are you good? (laughs) Thanks for letting us know. We're gonna make it through. (laughs) Hopefully we're helping out. Kamila, how are you doing? Um, I am, I feel like I'm doing okay. I'm at the point where like days are melting into another. I know that feeling. Yes. (laughs) And it's kind of hard to be as productive as in the beginning. In the beginning, maybe it felt like more of a like shorter period of time that I was going to be able to do certain things. And then now it's just like, well, the next day is also going to be nothing. Oh no. (laughs) So like I still am doing things. It just feels like less impactful. I've had a lot of things with like manufacturers taking like a lot longer to produce things than I'm used to. So I'm just like, oh, this is like taking forever and I don't know, you know, what's going on and stuff. But I've gotten some um, video and things of some progress happening. So I'm just like, yes, some progress is happening. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Time is moving forward. Slowly but surely, definitely. Yeah. 
And I've had to do something to break up the time inside, like uh, Simon and I, instead of driving, we have like some local restaurants that still allow for pickup or delivery. We decided to just walk all the way there, which destroyed my legs. Oh no. Destroyed them because I had not been walking all this time. And after the walk, my thighs. Yeah, I've forgotten how to walk. I don't know. I was just like, I know mentally how to walk, but physically I was out of shape for walking. Yeah, that was like so surprising. I had to go down to the post office, which is like a good mile away. So I walked two miles and I must have sideswiped my the inside of my own ankles at least 10 times on the way there and back because I'm just no longer used to wearing shoes because I only wear socks or flip-flops. So having my big Doc Martin Oxfords, they just kept swiping me and I'm like, ow, that fucking hurts. And I'm mad at myself because I can't walk right. Yeah, I think it was like I was wearing... um some boots too not like high boots but low top boots maybe that's what was messing me up I walk a little bit differently when I'm wearing my boots and I'm just not used to walking anymore so it was so strange but it was such a nice walk to have with Simon because usually we'll go to a sit-down restaurant and we'll talk about things or we used to do a like downtown sort of date of like going to a museum or some sort of thing downtown of maybe a few like comic book shop or something like that but we can't do that right now so all we have is this walk to um, a place to get some food so it was nice just you know talking to him without the distractions of tv i get that it's weird i've been trying to do my best with my mental health the first few weeks were hard very, very hard. Um, took a big hit from just being bored and knowing that I wasn't going to be seeing anyone. So I didn't have motivation to get dressed and get myself together because there was no one to show off to, quote unquote. But I've been doing a lot better. Definitely have stabilized. I don't feel the need to go outside as often as I did before. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) But it's been definitely easier lately. Been getting a lot of drawing done. Just been getting a lot of small, tedious things off of my plate that I didn't have time for originally. I'm still doing school all online and doing yoga through Zoom is really interesting. I've been watching shows that have been on my watch list for a long time and in the past couple weeks primarily I've been doing moving because on the 3rd I'm moving in with my partner which is going to be awesome and is really going to help take off a lot of boredom off of my plate because I will have someone to talk to forever now. (laughs) So along with sheltering in place, I find that a lot of J fashion people are having a bit of a difficult time trying to keep in touch with their J fashion in a positive way while trying to take care of themselves. I know for me personally, I've been dealing a lot with that, not being able to see people and being able to quote show off my outfits to people has been really difficult because again I like I said I haven't had any motivation to really get myself together so I'm interested to learning about how you've been connecting with J Fashion through this Kamila and also with the rest of y'all listening I would love to hear how you guys are going through this because Damn, I'd appreciate some tips. (laughs) It's been interesting. I've been using virtual meetups and calls, TikTok challenges as reasons to um, get fully dressed up. I mean, all of my clothes are pretty colorful. And so going on like a walk to the post office or to the grocery store, I'll wear things, but it's still not the same as getting really dressed up. 
you know, and putting together an outfit that's like, yeah, I feel like this is a banger and I need to take photos of this. And even with the virtual events and stuff, I still feel this little like, I don't want to take off my makeup and my clothes at the end. It feels like I didn't do anything with it. I wasted <laughs> the makeup and the sticker materials and the glitter and everything. Even the idea of it. I'm just like, man, I did my eye makeup like this and no one's gonna see that. So that's definitely been like hard for me. I've been taking like a bunch more photos than I guess I get to usually take. So I feel like I try to reassure myself with this outfit is well documented and you're going to be able to wear this to another event in the future. There's just like the feeling of you wear clothes so that you can be presentable to the outside world. When you go to certain places, you wear certain things. You go into the grocery store, you're used to being like, okay, I'm not going to put a lot of effort into the grocery store outfit. Okay, I'm going to the club. I'm going to put on this sort of makeup and this sort of dress and these sorts of like heels. You dress for the event in the most basic sense. Like it's not even like just like, a, oh, everyone's going to be staring at me. It's just like, at least me, I make decisions on what I'm going to wear based off of like, oh, what's this event? gonna be like or where am I going I'm not going anywhere that warrants me putting two hours <laughs> into getting dressed like that you know I want to like you know really get my wear out of it like oh okay I'm going to this really fun event I'm gonna wear a really fun outfit that's gonna get me pumped for being at this really fun space it's a way to interact with the event and with me just being at home, I feel like I'm not interacting with anything. There wasn't like a reason why I wore giant bottom lashes and my big YRU platforms other than, you know, I guess this all goes together. It doesn't have that same decision factor of like, oh, I'm going to a convention. So I'm going to try to wear this on a Saturday because this is like the coolest day and the rave is here on that day. So I'm going to wear it right into the rave. This is like an interaction. Yeah, especially when you put so much energy into getting yourself ready and then it's like for nothing. And it's like, I understand and I want to get into the mindset of, oh, I'm doing this for myself. But it's still like, but I'm just sitting around. And when I sit around, I want to be really comfy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's, it like bumps up against the practicality of like, the like, well, I'm dressing up for myself. And what is myself doing? Sitting. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's like some sort of mood too that like goes, it affects what I'm wearing. It's just like, oh, Today is sunny. I'm going to be going downtown to record with Hayden. I'm going to wear this because I feel like the weather is warranting this outfit. <laughs> it's just letting me know that there's all these different factors that come into what we wear and why we wear it and why we and why fashion is what it is. It's to suit the times, you know, and for what you're doing. And my thing is that whenever I make a cord, I want to post about it on Instagram so I can get that little boost of notification serotonin. Um, but the thing is, all of my recent quote cords have been loungewear and I don't want to just release a bunch of loungewear outfits all at once because things get stale and... I want to be able to keep that aesthetic. So I've been trying to parse myself out in different ways where I can still keep that presence while keeping originality and variety. So that's my main thing, just trying to deal with what I've been comfortable and have had enough energy to wear around the house and trying to keep myself on social media in a way that is healthy, but also makes me feel good about what I'm posting. Right. I have a few outfits that I have yet to post on Instagram because I don't know what to say in them. 
Usually I say what I was about to do or what I am doing, but now it's just, hey, I'm wearing stuff like it, I guess. <laughs> like, I can't think of any captions. I don't know what to ask someone about. I just thought of one today, which took me like three days to think of, like for this particular photo that I took. Oh, maybe I could ask people, have you been experimenting with any new styles lately? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, yes, I think that goes with the photo. And that will be an interesting conversation to have. Finally. <laughs> yeah. And especially because there's nothing going on. It's like, okay, well, what do I talk about now? I've been having that struggle with my therapist because it's like, okay, I talked about all the things that I needed to talk about, but we still have like 20 minutes left in our session. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like... Well, no exact good things are happening, but no bad things are happening, and nothing is happening, <laughs> good or bad. Exactly. <laughs> but we do want to end this intro with a positive note, so let's talk about our Patreon goals. Recently, we've had a little influx of patrons, which is very nice. We are now officially at 15 patrons. Thank you for joining. We love you. Yes, thank you so much. It's so exciting. And that means we are only $10 away to our first goal. Our first goal, if you don't recall, is to reach $45 a month so that we can open up our website and still have some wiggle room for Patreon fees. And we wanted to ask all of y'all what your thoughts on a Discord server would be for a Patreon reward. We already asked our patrons this on our Patreon, but I just wanted to propose it to the whole world where in case you were interested in talking with us more intimately, you may be more inclined to go over to Patreon and maybe pitch us a few dollars once a month. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. We're hoping to have deeper discussions about, you know, anything that we made a podcast episode about and also talking about whatever and, you know, like discussions as well. Yeah, just a cool place to hang out and chat. And I'm definitely interested if anyone has any like, oh, I listened to this episode and... I thought this about it and I wanted to talk about it more with you guys or something. So that could definitely make our episodes a lot better and everything too. Just have some other feedback. But before we get into pitching ourselves to you even more, let's tell you about our guest for this month. K Collective is one of the few shops in the U.S. that has committed themselves to specifically J fashion. Among them is Fickle Wish, Angelic Pretty San Francisco, Kuroshiro Kawaii, and their predecessors being Tokyo Rebel, Fairytale Boutique, Kawaii Nola, and a certain infamous shop that used to be in Texas as well. K Collective was founded by Andrea, Stella, and Skylar, or the ASS team, <laughs> and it is a group of independent artists that strive to put a spotlight on alt fashion and art in Arizona. They encompass the whole of alt fashion from goth and visual K to Lolita and Kawaii. Andrea is the owner of the brand Cyanide Creations. Stella and Skylar co-own the brand Good Fortune. And the three of them are dedicated to creating a safe space for alt fashion and the J fashion community and everyone within it, no matter someone's gender, race, disability, status, or body type. But before we get into that, let's get into our mid-rolls. Hey y'all, it's Hayden. It's Kamala. We've talked a bit about how OK Podcast is a labor of love for us. Yes. Neither of us get paid to create this content, and we make it because it's important and we love to do it. Yeah, doing this podcast does take a lot of time and a bit of money, though. Because of that, we would like to tell you about our Patreon. If you become a monthly Patreon at any level, you'll get to contribute questions to our monthly guests. And if you donate at the $3 a month level, you'll gain access to our bonus patron content, which has special interviews with our guests. Like what it's like to be in a Garusa, switching styles, and tips on modeling in Japan. There's absolutely no obligation to become a patron whatsoever, but we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much, and now back to the show. Woo! 
Welcome back. Today we are sitting with the owners of K Collective, Stella, Andrea, and Skylar, and we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of running a physical J fashion business. So, hello, K Collective crew. Can you all say hi for us? Hi. Hello. Hi. So, the first question that we have for you is how did the three of you get into J fashion? So Andrea here, I think I kind of have a usual route into J fashion. I went the weeb route starting in anime. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went to a convention and I was expecting to see mostly like cosplayers and people dressed as anime characters. And then I happened upon someone dressed in Lolita and mistakenly asked them like oh who are you cosplaying as oh no and she was like oh honey no (laughs) Uh, this is lolita i'm pretty sure she was wearing like an an angelic pretty dress very on brand accessories and told me all about it so i had to go home and go down a google rabbit hole and just uh educate myself but that's how i got into it stella here I kind of had my my emo phase first, but I got a little bit into anime first, and I was very, very captivated by, like, a lot of costume design stuff. Like, the first anime that I really threw myself into was uh, Cardcaptor Sakura, and if you watch it, you know, there's a lot of costume changes, and that was my shit. Um, And reading manga, I got really into Arena Tanamura's work specifically with her costume design. I was, I don't know, it blew my little 12-year-old gourd. From there, like, I discovered Fruits Magazine, and uh, I would go read, like, Gothic Lolita Bible when I had the chance. I would use my local bookstore as a library. Sorry about that. (laughs) And then feeding into kind of, like, the Tumblr blogger era, I started discovering other people who were, like, into this fashion and learning more about it. And I've I've always been a very visual person, so I, I feel like seeing other people who were finding their creative path in that way and making things, I, I learned a lot, especially from the Tumblr years. People were really creative on that outlet. Yeah, Tumblr really um, did a lot for us, I feel like. <laughs> there is a uh, fourth owner who helped us open the store. She had to step down for a little while due to personal reasons. Her name is Victoria. Her brand oh, is nice. Candy Graffiti, if you want to show her some love. But oh, nice. uh, she will be back with us soon. Um, and she she contributed a lot to us getting the store open. So I just wanted to make sure she gets credit on air. We love her. We miss her. Oh. <laughs> Skylar here. I didn't really get into J fashion until I met Stella. She kind of introduced me into a lot of that realm. And then, of course, the Tumblr days. (laughs) And then I ended up using a lot of different fashion styles to explore my gender identity. Initially, I was much more into like Lolita and a lot more femme stuff, slowly transitioning into more like fairy Kate decor type stuff. And Mm now I'm settling into more masculine like visual k and well i'm always a goth at heart but (laughs) yes revive the emos (laughs) and it's making me wonder whether like is tumblr dead as far as communicating about j fashion and stuff now i think by and large it kind of is i mean ever since the nsfw ban Mm. i feel like a lot of people left it and now it's actually become like a safe haven for staunch christians oh my god yeah if you go onto Tumblr and look up. It's called Trad Wife. It's like traditional life culture, trad culture. Okay. It's about like being a traditional homemaker wife and oh. there's like being super domestic and like there's nothing wrong with being super yeah. domestic, but in that community there's a lot of like white supremacists, mm-hmm. staunch Christians in there. Yeah. Yeah. Tumblr, no. I know. <laughs> it's become the exact opposite of what we made it for. Right. Because I mean we can't say Lolita on there so then it's just like well bye yeah (laughs) how did you come up with the idea to create a physical J fashion store and why okay Stella here again um (laughs) I had aspired to have like a a clothing store and a clothing line since I was in high school it's something I've talked about for a really long time as I started making things and becoming more involved in the community I was meeting other creators locally who are very involved in this fashion and in this scene 
I remember a few years ago uh, really lamenting that there wasn't, like, a space to occupy as an alternative person outside Mm -hmm. of, like, the nightclub scene here. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, at that time, I was, like, 18 or 19. I wouldn't have been old enough to go out in that capacity anyways. Yeah, I remember just being really bummed out. Like, why is there nowhere for us to just go and exist where we can you know, not have to worry about people taking pictures of us, like, unwarranted, and Mm -hmm. all of that negative stuff that comes along with that. Wow, yeah. And from there, uh, I started approaching the other initial artists that we worked with, with the idea of creating a brick-and-mortar space. From there, it kind of started to evolve into what it is now. We had a a bit of a larger group when we started, uh, but it's now at us three owners. And so how did you cultivate this original spark idea? How did you guys originally come together and start actually doing the thing? Yeah, like what was the first step? I mean, so such a daunting task. Well, we kind of started as uh, the group that we initially formed was to host community events for oh, J Fashion okay. Alternative Fashion people. We tried to keep the net super broad because there's a pretty big Lolita community in Arizona, mm-hmm. but there wasn't really anything else. Right, that happens a lot. Yeah, we started hosting community events for the J Fashion Alternative Fashion people. We had meetups at restaurants and at pop-ups and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it was it was pretty fun and there was a consistent turnout and we started involving more people. We used the group to like get into conventions and things like that so mm-hmm. that all of us could represent each other as well. Mm-hmm. You started planting the seed of opening like an actual store to creators fairly early on too. Yeah, like I remember the very very first iteration of K Collective was me approaching a creator who we had worked with pretty closely and going, hey, don't you feel like it's time for us to get like a physical thing going, like a storefront going? She was like, yeah, actually, I'd just been thinking about that. Um, And then from there, we started to actually seriously talk about that. And for a while, it wasn't the primary focus of the group, but it was always kind of one of the end goals. So this isn't a question we had written down talking about meetups got me thinking about the pop-up shops that we have at J Fashion meetups and at cosplay meetups as well. I've been to several cosplay meetups where someone's just like, hey, I'm selling shit. Do right. you want to get it? Um, <laughs> did you guys ever incorporate like pop-up shops for the artists that you feature or for like a swap meet for your community out there before K Collective formed a brick and mortar? We didn't do shopping events. Like, we would attend conventions with our artists. We didn't have a venue at that time, but now all the time we're hosting pop-ups for our artists, for other artists who aren't in store. Um, We've done a Lolita swap meet. We have a cosplay swap meet coming up. We do all kinds of art markets to kind of facilitate and grow the community. My favorite part about the Los Angeles J Fashion Com is whenever there's one artist named Jessica... And she always brings like her little satchel full of goodies. She's like, hey, if you guys want some more accessories, come buy them from me. (laughs) And then we're all just like kind of poking through her stuff. And I just that's like one of my favorite parts about going to the L.A. meets. I remember at like AX, we were just like all gathered, like squatting on the ground. Be like, oh, I I think I like that little shaker ring. (laughs) (laughs) So what has been the most difficult thing about opening up K Collective? Was it hiring people to work the store, getting the actual space? I know there's a lot of like logistics logistics to go on with that or finding the artist to sell in the store consistently. Andrea here. I think one of the hardest things is organizing all of the different creative minds we have because there are some very hyper creative people who just are kind of that organized chaos Mm. and so trying to rein them in to be like hey we want you in our store we need product we need this from you is probably one of the harder things um definitely Mm -hmm. people uh have a habit of they'll get in and then they're like okay good we did it we're done and then not think about restocking cultivating your your brand i guess i should say right mm-hmm. getting anyone to answer an email is uh, <laughs> the most frustrating thing on the planet <laughs> i get that i totally get that i'm curious as to what your guys's workflow would be or like how you guys 
coordinate yourselves because I know for Kamila and I, we only get together like once a month. And in order to communicate well with each other, we always have this shared document that Mm -hmm. we just type all the stuff in. Then we go, hey, I added something to the document. Tell me what you think. Then we just keep going back and forth that way. And then we have a spreadsheet or two. Mm -hmm. I was wondering how you guys coordinate your own creative minds to kind of work with this very left-brained, no-nonsense kind of... Yeah, like the business. The business aspect of it all, yeah. So I do want to clarify, we we actually don't have any employees. Gotcha, okay, just the three of you. Yeah, basically the three owners, we split up all of the work and we are very, very clear on what responsibility belongs to who so that Mm -hmm. we can hold each other accountable. And we see each other every week <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> we can't escape each other which is a good thing we're friends <laughs> i can only imagine as a creator it's so rare to have these sorts of opportunities to sell in a store because there's just not very many stores that are open to like hey sell my weird unicorn stuff that's for adults <laughs> So like you talking about trying to get the organization from the artists or like the restocking. We just have no experience doing that. And it's really awesome to have a space where people can start to learn that and experience that. Speaking of experience, did any of you have any like business owning experience before this or were you starting fresh? I mean, we had our own individual brands that we've managed Mm -hmm. for years Most of our experience came from different avenues of life that we could apply to the store. For example, I have a lot of experience working retail. So being on both ends of it wasn't as foreign to me. And Mm. we had a general sense of order of operations and things like that. Outside of that, most of what we had done was manage our own brands and grow uh, the things that we create. We are also artists who own the store. I also came from like corporate backgrounds. I had a lot of the like how to handle accounting and best Mm. practices for documentation and all of our legal stuff I had to go through in corporate land. Um, So it was just, how do I apply this to a small local business? We owe our entire skins to Andrea, honestly. I mean, especially with the initial group we started out with, a bunch of creatives. Before Andrea got involved, we were like, what's a contract? (laughs) Yeah, I think that that corporate and legal side is where a lot of creative struggle because Mm -hmm. even in art school they don't teach you how to cultivate your own brand how to cultivate your own business it's not something that they teach you I'm really excited that you guys were able to find Andrea and get that resource because (laughs) I think a lot of people just think oh I buy a store I put my things up and I am a I'm a store now yeah build it and they will come I remember having this feeling when we very first, like when the, when the doors finally opened and we had the grand opening, there was a minute where I was like, oh, cool. Now we get to finally rest after all of this work. Oh, no. Nope. Which <laughs> Andrea is uh, kind of reeled a minute there. Oh, man. No. Uh, no, that was just the beginning of, yeah. uh, of the work. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, oh, cool. We accomplished the goal. Let's close the doors. We're done. <laughs> Being someone who has had a lot of behind the scenes help with retail and with management and with administration, I know the feeling of looking at everything that's going on be like, okay, but have you thought about this? Have you Mm -hmm. thought about this? What are you going to do about this thing over here? And a lot of people are just like, oh, I didn't realize it took that much. It's like, yes, Yes. it does. (laughs) What are you thinking? Even just managing your own brand and then just having it online or something like that. It's just like, oh, well, you got to think about the events and then the inventory for the stocking of this thing. And then, oh, are you going to copyright? Are you going to trademark? And then, uh. (laughs) Stella and I, managing good fortune it took us forever even to do anything outside of a convention like how long did we go without a website oh man (laughs) oh that's a rough question Um, it's okay we're there too yeah (laughs) god no i I don't think we actually had like a a proper website with our product available for purchase for a solid five years yeah Yeah. like it was just if you knew us you could buy things right kind of it yeah okay Kamila we have two more years in the limit I know (laughs) know. 
I mean, once you're out of school, man, it's over for you bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you guys most looking forward to for K-Collective? We're so excited to continuously expand not only the store, but our reach. We're trying to get into more out-of-state conventions, getting even more artists in, and really growing our community, both in Arizona and throughout the surrounding states. And maybe one day, Eve will uh, reach the East Coast a little bit more. That's going to take a lot on the home front as well, because ever since Tokyo Rebel shut down, it's been a dead zone. Oh, geez. I mean, convention wise, Mm -hmm. the sky's the limit, you know. But the J fashion community there is kind of sequestered to their thrift shops and their own community events. There is like it kind of sucks because, you know, New York especially is the epicenter of fashion right and yet they're missing out on such a big subculture that i know is extremely prevalent there oh that's a question that i wanted to ask that i didn't get to put on the thing because i didn't think of it when you know about these like other stores that have opened and closed like kawaii nola Tokyo Rebel and Fairy Tale. Is that like discouraging or do you feel like, okay, I know why that ended and I feel like we can overcome this in X, Y, and Z ways? Or like, how do you respond to that sort of, those sorts of news? So we are very aware that things come and go pretty quickly within the alternative community. As far as like physical storefronts go and things like that, I we've seen places come and go in Arizona. Um, our biggest way of tackling that so far is we are hyper, hyper involved in the community. We have a lot of support from the local community for that reason. We do a lot for our artists and in return, they, they support us. Outside of that, we are very, very big on events. We go to events, we plan events, we do free events, we do paid events. We try yeah. and keep ourselves at the forefront of multiple communities' minds. Not just the Kauai people or not just the Gothic people or the mm-hmm. Visual K people. People who don't even know what J Fashion is, we're trying to get them in the door too. I think that's a really good strategy to have um, as far as like promoting your store and your location because I don't think a lot of the other stores, well, first, well, first, like Kawaii Nola was kind of only one person. Um, and I know they had some events, but just being really active in the community and at outside events is what I think I can say was missing from some of the other stores' activities. And I think one of the primary reasons that other boutique shops like Fairy Tale and Tokyo Rebel shut down was because of the hyper niche of their store and their mm-hmm. products. Like it was specifically Lolita fashion and for Tokyo Rebel it was mainly BTSSB and they had like some uh, listen flavor some other things sprinkled in there but like half of the store was BTSSB right and when I first discovered J fashion and discovered fairy tale in Los Angeles I went into the store and I was like wow this dress is so pretty it's $200 (laughs) but I think just having that variety Mm -hmm. of product and inventory for all sorts of people to be able to purchase helps make a business stay afloat, especially one like this that is so, so flippin' niche. And I think that's one of the reasons why Fickle Wish in Los Angeles is doing so well right now because they have stuff for anime nerds, they have stuff for video game nerds, for fashion nerds, and they have a lot of casual things as well as like higher end or like over-the-top things. Exactly. Yeah, like we have um, a secondhand section in our store as well. Oh, like the local community if they have really cool pieces. And so you can find a lot of affordable stuff, even if you can't, you know, afford a $300 dress. Mm -hmm. We have stuff all the way down to like five bucks for some things Mm -hmm. that you can get some really cool local pieces from the local community. And I think our diversity hits so many different alternative fashion styles that we've even seen like our local goth scene has been in we have a pretty strong local like horror movie enthusiast like cult following um and i think 
to the point of doing events keeps the store afloat. One of our biggest events to date was actually instead of like mall Santa, we did mall Krampus. So much fun. Very, very niche, very alternative. We got a lot of really cool different people out for that event just to show like the breadth of different people in our community. So one of our patrons, Fluffy Kawaii Joe, says that she would love to know how you guys manage to afford and balance the rent of the physical store and paying yourselves some form of living wage, living salary. Does it only come from sales commission or do you take it from brands, from that consignment? And I don't know if that's like too... Personal, personal of a question or something like that you can let us know yeah if you don't want to answer it go ahead and tell us so I think the best way to answer that one is to kind of explain how our system works and since it's all public information I'm totally down to share okay but basically we work with our artists in one of two ways most of our artists rent space in our store so depending on how much space they need to sublet. It's just a monthly fee. We don't really make money on that rent, but that rent goes to paying our rent. Mm, And so basically, as long as we have enough artists and brands in store, that covers our overhead. We also have some artists who consign with us, and that consignment is where we make a little bit extra money as a store to do things like improvements and expanding efforts like into other events and different things that we want to do within the community. We as owners all have brands ourselves. We're artists in this space too. We're not just lording over our artists and telling them what to do. (laughs) Like we're in it with our artists. And so our brands are how we make money and support ourselves right now. Talking about how your artists rent out space in your store, it reminded me of antique malls because that's my background (laughs) growing up with my parents who (laughs) my parents love antiquing. So hearing that, I was just like, I know exactly how that works. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a pretty similar setup to that. Do customers come in that are from outside of the community and end up like absolutely loving and adoring this and becoming a part of our community? So we've gotten to the point where we have a pretty consistent amount of people who come in who aren't really aware of what J fashion is or what the alternative fashion scene (laughs) looks like here who get a little bit hooked and we actually have made a lot of different connections for other people people make friends when they come in store it's actually very sweet (laughs) but we're also learning how broad the interests of the community are too like you don't necessarily have to be into fairy k to enjoy a lot of the things Mm -hmm. that fairy k artists make i think that's awesome though i just like that there's people who don't have to be like in the community, like when I go and have like booths at conventions, there's people who come in and buy things from me that are not J fashion or totally alternative minded. They're just like, oh, this says something. This says fight me on it. I say fight me all the time. And then (laughs) (laughs) they end up going with it. You know, someone got a little bit of variety in their life and like opened their mind to something new. Like so then they can see something that's not a part of their interest but respect someone else's interests and choices. Yeah, I think we see that a lot at events where they just kind of take a little taste of our store with them, Mm -hmm. like when we're out in the community. But it seems like when people get in store, they kind of start to get it. They get that it's a full style and you can make a full look out of this Mm -hmm. and it's not just a cute little piece to take away. On the flip side of that, we do sometimes get people who don't get it. Oh, no. <laughs> and they walk in in store and go, is is this a kid's store? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's F words on things. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of them. <laughs> so it seems like at events, it's easier for people to get a little taste and kind of make it their own but in store either someone totally gets it or it just goes way over their head (laughs) the straight men who open the door and then just stand in the doorway and won't come in oh my god (laughs) (laughs) 
just like, what is this? You can see the look of fear in there. Okay. Normally have like a partner with them who's like, oh, look at this. And they'll walk in and they just, they freeze. Oh, no. <laughs> so what does K Collective uniquely bring to the Arizona J Fashion community? Well, we are an artist-led business. We, I mean, the founders are artists. We exist as artists within this space. We are by and for artists. Mm -hmm. And we exist to see our artists succeed, too. So uh, I'm very proud of the amount of resources that we've been able to provide for our people and Mm -hmm. for people who maybe aren't working with us right now, but maybe they will be in the future. Something that was really, really important to us and that we put a lot of emphasis on is existing as a a safe space for people to explore themselves, explore Mm. their fashion, explore their own identity. I know that a lot of times, in a weird way, conventions often act as a safe space for people who are... um, maybe queer or Mm -hmm. non-binary to kind of get a little bit more gender exploration Mm -hmm. in there or uh, to really exist with other people who are like-minded and who uh, are safe. And that's been some consistent feedback that we've gotten is that uh, I guess we've we've succeeded in that. Making sure that people can come here and shop without feeling that they're being judged, without being invasive to people as well. We also really like that we're, you know, uh, able to host as many events as we do. Mm -hmm. We are really excited to be able to spotlight some very, very talented artists who may not otherwise have as much of a platform through our store. That's actually going to bring us to the end of our interview because I want to save all of this really awesome like customer story energy for our patron content. If our listeners are interested in hearing more about myself, K-Collectives, and Kamila's Mm -hmm. weird, interesting, quirky, or infuriating and heartwarming <laughs> heartwarming customer service stories, join our Patreon. We are going to have a really awesome conversation about customer service side of things in just a few minutes. And real quick, where can our listeners find K Collective and your own personal brands? We have an Instagram page, a Facebook page, both just at K Collective. And then we have a website as well, kcollective.com. There you can shop all of our in-store brands, find our future events and see what we're up to. Outside of that, uh, me and Skylar, our brand Good Fortune, um, we are on Instagram as at Good Fortune Shop. And Andrea's brand is Queen Cyanide, and you can find me on Instagram. Also, the K Collective's Instagram links to everything. It links mm-hmm. to both of our brands and our website. So that's usually the best place to like mm-hmm. find everything. You can even find our address if you want to dox us. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are our business. Yeah. <laughs> you should find us. Awesome. And with that, this has been OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. And I'm Andrea. I'm Skylar. I'm Stella. And we are the ass team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ooh, we and we the back end of the should... business. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. We will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.